All right, welcome in, welcome in uh, to the ARBT podcast. Today, uh, we're joined by Brendan Vogt. Is it Vogt or Voigt? Vote for the president. Well done. Vote. Uh, vote from Denver Stiffs. Um, and we're going to be talking about the Nuggets. We usually start with like 30 minutes of Nuggets talk anyway, but I think this we're going to do a little bit more of a deep dive because there's been a ton of news lately, and it's a really, really weird team. So, um, yeah, I think we're just going to jump right in. Uh, obviously, the biggest news is that uh, Millsap and Gary Harris are out for extended periods of time. Jamal left the game last night. For a brief period, um, do you think that the team is equipped to handle losing either of them for the, for as long as they probably will? Uh, not really, Noah. I mean, they're a very <laughs> deep team, but how how many teams are so deep that they can lose three of their starters, uh, a six-man candidate type of player in Isaiah Thomas, and then even just two guys they drafted who are taking up roster spots, Porter Jr., Vanderbilt, they can't play. Now, Jamal Murray's questionable, so, man, it's... I mean, the Nuggets are a really good team, and they gave themselves somewhat of a cushion in the tight west here to, to, to the point where, okay, can they survive and go 500 for a month? Uh, maybe they'll be okay. But no, man, there's no way to sugarcoat it. I, I don't think any team in the league is so deep that they can lose those type of players. And say for maybe Boston last year, whatever that weird playoff run was, uh, Denver is definitely in some trouble right now. Yeah, yeah, I think... It's just it's a they're just a rough team. Like the game the game last night against Atlanta was got pretty difficult to watch. Um, like their bench is really good, but man, like having Trey Lyles and Wancho out there for like for thirty five minutes a game just was not was not that great. It's gonna be. I think my my biggest thing is like Trey Lyles just needs to step up because he's never been that consistent. But wow, it's just. Yeah, Trey, Trey's a really streaky player, man. And when Millsap got hurt last season, Lyles played really, really well. I mean, by far the best he's played in his NBA career to this point. So there's the hope that you can catch lightning in a bottle twice there. But the truth is, the way he's played to this point in the season, um, you're absolutely right. Even a guy like Wancho, who's already filled in admirably, if you're asking Wancho and Malik and Trey to now extend these minutes to open up their roles, that's really not ideal. They're they're good basketball players, and and maybe they can carry them for small stretches at a time. But it's gonna be probably at least a month, Noah, before any of these people come back. Right. And it's 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 gonna be a long month. Right. It's gonna be a long time. I think the biggest thing is like like Malik and Malik Wancho and Trey like they'll try hard on defense, but ultimately like Millsap is one of the smartest defensive players the Nuggets have ever had, and like the way he just like feels the game and like can fill in roles and fill holes and just, like, keep the rotations right. It's just something that Lyles, Lyles Wancho, or Malik just don't have. And that was really yeah. the biggest thing for the start of the season was that Millsap was playing so well that they could just kind of coast. Like, they could really just play their game and he could fill, he could just fill in a ton of different problems they had. And communication, too. On right. the court defensively, he's an extension <clears throat> Michael Malone. And he preaches the same principles Malone does, and He's all about building these daily habits, but, you know, he's not a loud leader, and we don't see him as a very vocal guy in this league, but on the court, on the defensive end, he's very communicative, and he's still going to be around the team. He's they're still going to have his presence, but it's different. Uh, when he's on the court, this entire defense is better, a lot better. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's asking guys like Wancho and Trey, who are not defenders, um, to, to help keep a team in, like, the top five in defensive efficiency. It's a really tough ask. Yeah, like they just, they really, 
they neither of them really can do it that well yet. I think it's just going to be a rough time. And I've seen, like, there's been some rumors, especially from, like, TJ McBride a few days ago, about the Nuggets maybe going after someone like Melo. But that, what, what do you think about that one? I don't love that idea. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, you know what? I should, as a blogger and a writer, it'd be a lot of fun, a lot of clicks, Denver coming, uh, Melo coming back to Denver. But he, look, he, he's not even really a great spot up shooter anymore. Um, he was never been a, a good body defensively. And, you know, I know he's a name, but there's just got to be someone else that you can throw into a rotation that has more, more to offer than Melo does right now. And that's before you even dive into his willingness to accept a, a diminished role. You know, that's a prideful guy and a talented basketball player. No matter how these last few seasons have gone, he has high expectations of himself. So that just has disaster written all over it to me. It's, it should be pointed out that that is just conversation from Matt Moore and TJ McBride. I, I can tell you that the team, at least officially, has not said anything about, you know, they haven't expressed any interest in Melo yet. But to me, Noah, that seems like a terrible idea. Yeah, it's just, like, watching him, he, sh- he doesn't do anything offensively anymore. He really just can't hit shots. And he, he's also a, one of the worst players on defense I've ever seen. It's just, I, I don't really love that idea. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, he's better. He's probably better than Leiden at this point, And they don't really have much else behind, um, behind Trey Lyles and Wancho. At that spot, no, no. I, Tyler Lydon is, as things stand, man, he's just not an NBA player. He's I think not. He could, could have been, um, but his being around him a little bit, I, the issue there is confidence. And I think once a player's confidence just gets shot out of the gate like that, it's really hard to build him back up. So I get what you're saying. Um, it's not like I'm sitting here saying you got to get Lydon on the floor, but somehow, you know, I don't know. I'm not like a huge CBA guy. I don't know how the injury exception stuff starts to look like at this point for Denver. Yeah. But I have to think somewhere out there, there's a warm body that fits into your rotation that plays a little bit of defense, um, which is probably what they're going to need right now because you can only sort of mitigate this offensive loss uh, so much. You're going to have to be the best defensive team you could be during this stretch. Yeah, and I think offensively, they have to be a lot more consistent than they have been too because that's been kind of an issue. Like, Jokic just had a great year, but he needs to start being a little bit more aggressive as a scorer, and he needs to break out of whatever slump he's in from downtown. Because he's just like, that's he needs to really realize that he's the only, he's the best player they have by a mile, and he and if they're gonna win, he needs to be significantly better than he has been as a scorer. Definitely, right now, definitely with all yeah. of his players out, I will say the interesting thing about Jokic is he forces you to ask yourself just about every game. Um, sort of about that dynamic and how we view stars. It sort of seems like sometimes the sweet spot for him in terms of points per game is actually in like the 14, 15, 16 range. The beauty in him is how he allows everyone to be the best versions of themselves and be the best version of a basketball team on the court at a given time. He's not going to be able to take that approach with guys who are sort of stepping into larger roles who aren't starter caliber players. Right. And so... Now you go, okay, you know what we need from you. We need some of that that real best, traditional best player mentality. Um, and you're right, man. He has not shot the ball well at all this season. He's had a great season, but nothing to suggest that he's capable of being the type of player right now that Denver needs to carry them without those guys. Right. He, 
he needs I, I think the the big like my my interpretation is he just needs to like like the, it works well as you said with Gary Harris and Jamal and um Paul Millsap when there are the guys around you but when it's when it really gets the more of the reserves and especially when the like now bench players start coming in who's going to take the roles that the guy that the other guys are taking like you, he needs they they can't ju- they just can't hit shots well enough and they can't really create well enough by themselves for him to just keep deferring to them and try to make everyone else better i think he needs like th- i think they need to start turning into more of a traditional team as you said like down this without anyone else um for the next month the problem is i'm not sure if he is that type of player and the way, the way in which he's great i don't know Sometimes he, he scores in the post, and it, you shake your head and think, why don't you just do that every time? You make it look so easy. Yeah. But that's, that's not the type of player he is. And he doesn't like to jack shots, and he hasn't shot it well. So it's – I don't know, man. It's it's tough to envision them. And the schedule is not easy here. Right. So, I mean, look, there's still a good basketball team. Like, if Jamal Murray's healthy um, and, and he's questionable right now with that shin injury, you know, Murray and Jokic uh, – can carry you to some wins over some lesser teams, but I, it's I don't see how they can beat the OKCs, the Torontos, the Memphises who are in their schedule right now, uh, because I just Jokic is ne- he's never going to go Jimmy Butler on you. He's never going to like drop fifteen in the fourth through sheer will to win or whatever. That's I mean, yeah, he I don't think he does. He was not going to do that every game, but there there were times like down, especially down the stretch last season, like especially the closing game. Um, the last game against the Timberwolves when he really yes. just willed them in that third quarter. Uh he aver- when he and he averaged like twenty five a game for like fifteen to twenty games coming into that. But the problem is he just can't sustain it. I think if he does that again, he could they could probably and and Jamal gets a little bit more consistent, they can probably squeeze out a five hundred record until everyone comes back. But it's gonna be I think it's just gonna be dicey. Yeah, it's going to be dicey in it. And, it. and it's tough, man, because there was a lot of genuine momentum around this team. And folks in this city are, you know, you know, they're starting to care. Yeah. And it's it's been a long time So since that was the case. So this is deflating. And uh, they really need to, to go at least 500 here. The flip side, Noah, is if they sort of, um, if they endure here and, and they look good, um, they can teach themselves a lot about their depth about what they're capable of. And if they are going to be a great team one day, which a lot of people think they might, it's going to be about more than star power. It's going to be about this sort of um, roster completeness, this really, really, you know, depth is important. It was super important to those early Golden State teams. Right. And so maybe you need to learn, and maybe the silver lining is, okay, if Malik steps up and Wancho steps up, we're sitting here going, oh, it's a much deeper team than we ever knew. Yeah, but that's a, that's an optimist spin on what is ultimately um, a bummer of a situation. Yeah, and I, I definitely want to buy into that op- optimism, but let, let the Hawks game and the Hornets game, those were just, they they really just fell apart at the end of both of those games, which is something they've kind of been doing since the start of the season. They just didn't have the guys to keep it up. Yeah. Um, this is the most nug life thing that's ever happened. And for I think for the past like ten years, this is the most nug life situation. Um, but man, um, what do you what do you make of the season even before the injuries happen? Um, awesome. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's it's been I think 
I don't I, I don't think any Nuggets fans would have dared dreamed for a better start. And right. you know there was the one in six slide, but you know that came so early in the season and it came after they went nine and one that they had a little cushion, and in many ways they got to learn some important lessons early about communicating with each other, about staying focused, uh, about what it takes to be a great team night in, night out, not overlook opponents. Um, They got a little unlucky in that stretch, and they were still playing well, and so they come out of it, I think, a a better and a stronger team for it. And then, of course, to go on that winning streak, to be Portland in Portland, to be Toronto in Toronto, you had, I think we had reached the point where you're starting to go when Denver plays their A game, there's very few teams they can't beat. In the regular season, there's no teams they can't beat. Um, so that is why this is such a bummer, Noah, because I would say that this, outside of the Barton injury, um, just a, a near-perfect start to the season if you're a Nuggets fan. Yeah, it's definitely been a lot better than I thought it would be. Um, it's just... It, 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 sometimes Nuggets just get so frustrating. Like, when they... I, I, I like it. Like, they did win in uh, Toronto and uh, Portland, but... It just it it doesn't seem super. It's something about it just doesn't feel real real because, like they get in these games and they get up early and they, um, they're they're leading like halfway into the third quarter and then they just collapse and they need some miracles to get to win the games because like with that Portland game they were C J McCollum hit it like just the ball going a little bit to the left of winning that game, and the Toronto game ended with a little bit more controversy. Um, with some fouls at the end, but it just felt, I don't know, it it, it seems like there's a little bit more less legitimacy to it. You know what? It's, it's, to me, it's not that it's legitimacy. It's, okay, I think what we've learned now is that Denver, when they were healthy, probably a playoff team. And those sort of issues that you're bringing up that I agree with, that I see as well, to me, those are long-term concerns okay, I can't really see this team succeeding in the playoffs if that's how they're going to execute down the stretch of fourth quarters. They're a talented enough team, and they play good enough defense now that they can still win those games, even on the road, even when they're sort of collapsing. Um, like, they're, they're good. They're really good. But you're right. I mean, the fourth, fourth quarter stuff, like if in the first round of the playoffs, um, depending on their matchup, I mean, I don't care whether they would have home court advantage or not. I would have a hard time feeling good about them for those reasons. And, you know, you're right. The the pleasant results notwithstanding, there was still some error in the process throughout that throughout those those wins. Right. Um, do you think do you think that they can't like what do you think their ceiling is this year um, for for the next what like sixty three games? Like, where do you think the highest they can possibly finish is in the Western Conference? I mean, after these injuries, I think it's it's now particularly unrealistic to think that they'll be in the top three at the end of the year. Um, but before that, Noah, I I had finally gotten to that point where, okay, why can't it be Denver? That's the second best team out west. I mean, Houston's still a bad matchup for them, but Houston's not a better team than they are. Right. New Orleans is not a better team. Utah certainly isn't. I know all these teams will sort of uh, progress to the mean. They'll get better, but... I, I mean, Portland, OKC, those are the teams that I think are in Denver's neighborhood. And, uh, you know, I think Denver's better than Portland, and I love the way Denver has played OKC in these last couple of seasons. So 
man, prior to the injuries, I was trying to convince people to to ditch the tempered optimism and accept that this actually might be a top three seed out west. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Like they, that I I was really starting to believe that they could. They were one of the best three teams in the west and probably like top five in the league, but the injuries were just I devastating. Agree. I think they were. Yeah, um, and like switching gears a little bit from that, um, do you? Th- what do you make of the like when Isaiah Thomas comes back? What do you make of how he's going to impact Monte Morris's minutes and um, the team as a whole? That's the million dollar question right now, Noah. I don't know. No one does. It will get a shot. He'll get to play. Too talented not to. That's why he's here. But yeah, you it can't come at the expense of Monte's minutes. He's been fourth or fifth best player on the team, man. Yeah, and he's been awesome. Really, yeah, and. Just super, super crucial to the turnaround in the second unit, which, I mean, you watch this team closely, man, you know, that's been as important to them being a different team this year as anything else. Right. That was a terrible bench. And now it's winning them some games. And so I don't know. I mean, do you try to play them together? Maybe. But that's, you know, there are a lot of defensive questions around an an IT Monte uh, pairing. So I really don't know, man. You'd like to think it's a good problem to have. Too many talented players, but it you know it, I love it. But if he's gonna get you fourteen inefficient points per game or whatever off the bench, if that's coming at the expense of Monte's minutes, I don't know if that's a good thing. Right, and I think I think my another thing I have with it is just like Ma- you've seen this year, Malone has started staggering um, Jamal Murray and Gary's minutes a little bit more. He's been throwing out some more interesting lineups. Um, you usually see Jamal in the bench at the end of the first quarters and um, starting the second. And I think that when Isaiah comes back, I can definitely see uh, Malone stop it, like completely stopping that and um, Isaiah taking those Jamal minutes. And I don't know. I, I'm a little worried about that because I think Jamal really needs those minutes to get um, to get his confidence for um, later in the game because yeah. he really is a confidence player. And I think with if he had if he doesn't have that cushion to fall back on anymore, things would get a little ugly. Yeah, no, I agree. I completely agree. So, this is this is a a question that folks in this sort of media circle. I mean, we're talking about this every single day. This is we don't know how that's going to shake out. Um, and you know, I don't. We don't know if it is going to be good, Noah. Yeah. I don't mean to be a, a downer here, but. Uh, hip issues over 30 years old five seven on a good day like <laughs> the dude is is it's hard to envision him being an, an impact player in the nba right now and that's not i'm not trying to knock him i'm sure he'd love to prove me wrong but it, i i don't know if we can just pencil him in for for strong bench minutes yet right and i think uh, he played he was a little in, he was pretty inconsistent down the um down the stretch last year for um la but he was, he was fine. He was pretty good, but I I don't know. It's, he has he got injured over the summer. It's, man. He it's just rough. I I don't know exactly how he's gonna look because I, he's just not fat. He doesn't look that quick anymore when he did play. He just looks kind of a little washed. But uh, yeah, he's the type of guy that couldn't afford to lose a step, man. Yeah. I mean, what you can't to to be as good as he was at his height in this league is nothing short of remarkable. But it required all of him every night. And he drove to the lane so recklessly in Boston. and um, he, he feared nothing. And 
it was awesome to watch, but yeah, he can't quite do he can't do that the way he once could. And so, how does that change him as a player drastically? And and defensive and the other thing, man, is defensively, he would probably become the worst defensive player in the rotation, almost certainly. Yeah. And th- this is a team that's that prided itself on its strong, surprisingly strong defense to start the season, and that's been vital to their success. So, yeah, it is is. Uh, a question mark to say the least. Yeah, it he's I I I don't know how entirely how I feel about him coming back yet. It's I it, it, it I don't know. He's he, like everything they the Nuggets have been doing seems like it, he could be like he could throw a wrench into the plans pretty quickly. Yeah. Um what do you um what, what do you make do you have you heard anything about Michael Porter and his recovery? Michael Porter Jr. Uh, there's no timeline right now. I what I know from the Nuggets, this is what they will tell you. They're not gonna ru- if it's not a hundred percent, they are in no rush to put him out there. So that they didn't, you know, there's no information on on how long that would take, right? How close he is to one hundred percent, but they've made it clear that it's not a priority for them this season to just rush him back and get him out on the court. And to that end, I, I would be very surprised if he plays a minute this season. And I, I've been on record with that for a couple months now. Um, he just, you just don't need to risk it. But also beyond the sort of medical issues, like Denver is a team that's missed the playoffs by one game for two consecutive seasons. Oh. And rookies are, even the best rookies, man, rarely are they a plus player. And so right. the last thing Denver needs right now is to try to figure out how to get MPJ his minutes and his confidence back. Because frankly, man, they have, they have bigger fish to fry. Yeah, I I, I like that strategy. Um, he's he's one of the few. Um, I think he's one. He's he could be he could be like if he really reaches his potential or even gets like eighty percent of the way there. I think he could change the dimension of the future for the Nuggets. But man, he I he seems like he needs a lot more work to get back. Um, just like even looking at the way he played in brief really brief stints at. Um, Mizzou, like, he has a lot more work to be done before he can be a useful player, no matter about the injuries. Um, right, right. Even if he was healthy for all his talent, that's still a project. Yeah. Most of the rookies, yeah. Right. Um, do you think that... Do, have you heard anything about Jared Vanderbilt either? Just um, He... Um, there's reason to believe that he is close to a return. There's oh. no... I gotta be clear, that's not sourced, that's not reporting... Um, there's no timeline, but just sort of candid conversations with folks in and around the team suggest that they're optimistic about him coming back sooner rather than later. Um, that he would probably, well, I was going to say he would probably go to the to a G League team, but with their depth issues, maybe he, they, they probably can't. Um, so we'll see, man. He's a guy who intrigues me as much as anyone on this roster. I really yeah. am excited to see him play. I think he's just the kind of guy you want in the modern NBA. You look at the type of players that are employed in these playoff series, long, switchable, uh, you know, good rebounders, solid defenders. That's him, man. This is a, a Rodman-esque rebounder and a one through four uh, or two through five defender. So yeah, if they, if they can get him back, man, that's a, that, that's a player who I think can help them sooner rather than later. Yeah, and I, I love him. I... His offensive game is pretty weird, but I really, I really like it. Um, I think he could be, he could be something for them 
at some point. But uh, do you think that the injuries mean that Devon Akum Purcell is going to see more time outside of just uh, garbage time? I don't I think if it's up to Malone, no, right? I yeah. Mean, if, if things are going I like as planned, probably not. But, he, you know, you're right. At this point, the way everyone's sort of been pushed down the line here, that's no longer just a garbage time body, right? Right. They need him. Um, but I don't know, man. I, I'm not particularly high in Devon Akun Purcell. Just he's he's not that young. He's like 24, 25, and, you know, he – his teammates seem to love him, and he's played. He played well in that G League game and played all right in summer league. But I don't look at him and say, "Okay, this is a guy who can really help a team stay afloat in the NBA." Um, so right. I, you know, I, that's just my opinion. But I've never looked at him as a huge asset. Yeah, I I haven't watched. I didn't really watch um, the Nuggets summer league, but I remember a lot of people were really high on him. Um, but yeah, I, he at the end of the day, he is just a two way player who had a good G League game. Um, do you think that they could start looking like exploring trade options um, for the next month? Do you think it's you think it could get that dire? Maybe I don't think they should be in that sort of mode yet because the other thing Noah is I'm re- I'm worried about Gary because we don't have a diagnosis yet. But let's do the optimist thing again. Everyone comes back in about four weeks. Um, I'd be surprised if Millsaps back that soon. Gary, there's some question marks around, right? But let's say, okay, in a month, Barton's ready. Gary comes back. IT comes back. Millsap comes back. Um, and and we know how good this team was. So I wouldn't panic or anything yet, but, um, but we're certainly getting to the point where nothing's off the table because they're going into battle. I, I, th- I believe over half of their payroll is, on the, uh, is, is not playing right now. Yeah. So that's that's tough. Yeah, and they have they they do have a pretty big payroll. Um I think even just Barton coming back is going to make a huge difference cuz he oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think we've spent like if you um it, for the listeners out there who've listened to this podcast before, Kyle and I aren't aren't don't really love the way that they've used Barton in the past. Um but he's still a really good he's still a really good player and I think he could really change some things for the Nuggets. I, I think he's one of the most important players on the Nuggets. I think he slides into that starting lineup really well. Um, it was only, it was a very short sample, small sample size, I should say, but I loved the way he was playing to start the season. Yeah, he was looking awesome. Awesome, right? And and uh, the perfect balance of aggressive when you need me, but I understand that I'm out there with the starters, and you guys do you. Um, and, you know, he would help this team a lot. Right now. We've talked a lot about you know, collectively, we, a fan-based media, about the way Jamal Murray struggles with some of the point guard stuff, the traditional point guard duties. And, you know, Barton is a ball handler. And Barton was the backup ball handler for much of the season last year. And so out there with the starters, like, don't be surprised if he shoulders some of that responsibility, if it's his job to get the ball to Nicola in the post. Um, He could, obviously, he's a talented scorer, and he's the ultimate taxi guy, right? You could stick him in a lot of different lineups to transition from the starters to the bench. Right. He is a great player, and for them to not have him right now, I think is they've they've gotten off to such a good start that we haven't had the need to talk about it. But it, it's been truly remarkable that they did what they did without, in my opinion, one of their most important players. Right. That that's definitely true. He is. They don't really have a player like him, they, and they never they haven't in a while. 
Um, and I think he does cover up a lot of their issues um, scoring sometimes, which is really helpful. Um, and you were, ta- you were talking about Jamal for a bit there. And going on a more macro level, do you, what do you make of J- like Jamal's role? And do you think he needs to develop more into a point guard, like a true point guard for the team to reach another level? You know, Noah, I, I do. I think Jamal needs to – he's 21 years old. And so sometimes I have to remind myself not to be too hard on him about this stuff yet because maybe he does develop into that type of player. But he, I, I've thought of him as sort of an off-ball type of guard, really more of a pure scorer than he is a guy that runs your offense. Uh, but the truth is he's being asked to do that in Denver. Yes, Jokic is your best playmaker and he's your true point guard or whatever, but he's also the center and he, he needs to get the ball. Someone needs to get the ball to him in advantageous positions, um, the high post, the low post, uh, through the pick and roll. There are these little ways, in traditional duties of the point guard, in which Jamal really struggles. And as of now, it's hurting this team and it's holding them back. Um, I Can Jamal develop into that player? Over these last couple of games, these last few weeks, we have seen some encouraging signs. And, you know, I would definitely wouldn't count out a 21-year-old to develop in that way. But I do think he does need to. I, some people will say, well, they have Jokic. He's the point guard. But you still need a guy that can bring the ball up the floor and get the ball to Jokic, uh, especially on the pick and roll, in the short roll where Jokic is devastating. Um, he can't, you know, Jokic like can't do it all himself. So I would say yes. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, I just... I. I think that could also be Gary, because um, I think Gary uh, has developed a little bit more in that in that sense than um, Jamal than Jamal. Um, I, th- I know he's really been thought of more as a pure off the ball guard, but I think he has really grown as a playmaker a little bit more. I think he could definitely step into that role, but I see what you're saying, Jamal. It, Jamal is more fit for it. Um, at least should be more fit for it. Well, at least they're just, it's been his job to this point. Right. They've given him those duties. And, um, you know, I agree with you that maybe Gary can do some of it, but it looks like they want Jamal to be the guy to do so. So it, it is important to Denver's long-term development offensively for him to sort of get those skills down. Right. Um, and what do you think about his inconsistency so far um, through the first few games here? You know, he's been banged up a little bit. Uh, I know a lot of players are. Jamal typically starts slow. January is usually when he gets going. So I will wait until then, Noah, <laughs> to give you an answer because maybe this is just the type of player Jamal is. Like, he needs to get in rhythm. He needs to warm up. Um, but, yeah, it's been weird. I, one of the stranger things about this Nugget season is the dip in confidence we have in a wide-open shot, Gary or Jamal. Yeah, it's definitely been a little weird. Um, Jamal, I don't know. Something just seems a little bit off with him so far. Um, I don't really, I don't remember many times where he's had like such a prolonged stretch where he doesn't. You just don't know what you're gonna get for him to this extent. Um, except aside from his rookie year, but um, I, d- I definitely see where you're coming from. That he does, like just looking at the uh stats, he usually does take a while to really get into where he usually ends up, but, um, yeah. Do you think that, like, he can be, what What do you think he, like, or the expectations are of him 
for the between now and when everyone gets back. Well, they need him to be the guy he was against Boston, right? Right. Obviously, he's not going to do that every night. But we just talked about how Nicola, while he's capable of these some great moments as the scorer, it's not really in his DNA to just sort of go out and and will will points into existence. Jamal is that kind of guy at his best. And so, yes, Denver desperately needs him to wake up here. And we were talking about maybe an optimist silver lining earlier. Well, that's that's one other angle on, on that is is maybe if this wakes Jamal up a little bit, you know what I mean? Uh, maybe this right. is what it takes. But it's certainly what Denver needs. Yeah. Do you think he can? Um... Sure. He's capable of it. I mean, the one thing you can't, like really question about Jamal is his is his scoring ability. Right. Whether he the consistency maybe, right? But we know what he can do. How many twenty one year olds can drop forty eight on Boston? Uh, right. Not many. So of course he can, but yeah, can he do it consistently? Um he has played a lot more minutes than Gary or Nicola have. And so, you know, it's too early in the season to say he's gonna be tired or whatever, but for a guy who's been banged up and played heavy minutes and who's so young, it's a lot to say, hey, now can you be our best offensive, our, our best scorer um, consistently? So so maybe not, Noah, but but we know that he's capable of it within him somewhere. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm looking at his game logs right now and his career splits on basketball reference. And I, like, is it, I, I think the thing with Gary, or with Jamal might just be giving him the minutes he needs because like going through like his minutes really rise a lot towards the end of the year and that's when everything uh starts to click for him do you think that there's like anything there where he just maybe needs to play like 30 35 minutes a game to be in rhythm i don't know i mean he's definitely a rhythm player but to be honest no i would just say that has more to do with um how the how those shots go to open the game right if he hits his early shots he's he's typically a hot player for the duration of the game and so I don't know. I don't know if it's a minutes thing or what. Um, I yeah, I think it's a youth thing, man. I think it's that he's 21 and just, yeah, it's it'd be ridiculous to sort of expect uh, like 20 point per game scoring from him over the course of 82 just yet. Uh, but for a month, they certainly need it right now. Yeah, they that do. Is going, yeah, that'll be the expectation. Yeah. Um, do you think that, the, that uh, Malik and Wancho could possibly start like taking on more of that scoring load? Um, some of it. I think Wancho should shoot more. I love when he does. Um, Malik has been a, a a really pleasant surprise this year. I think we knew he's a talented player, but to be a consistent guy off the bench, to be shooting from outside the way he is, um, has really added a nice wrinkle to this Nuggets offense and their rotation. I don't know. I think the worry with Malik Noah is they have worked so hard to get him to identify his role and flourish within the confines of that role, right? right? Be the best player you can without trying to do too much. And this is a guy who was a great player in high school and, and, and had a green light in Florida State. So I'm worried that when asked to do too much, maybe sometimes that's when he gets in trouble. Yeah, that's true. I can definitely see it. He he was a little bit more of a gunner before this season than I think people really remember. But I don't know. He seems pretty... He seems like he could start um, getting some more of more of those cuts that Gary had early in the um, his relationship with Jokic, where he would just uh, he would spend most of the game cutting, and it would be 
really um it 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 would work out really well because I think Malik is a little bit more athletic than Gary and he really has more he's um quicker to the basket than a lot of people really realize. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he's an incredible athlete. Isn't yeah. He? Uh, I was surprised. No, I shouldn't say this. Let me reword that. Not at all surprised, but intrigued by Tory Craig starting and not and not Malik. Um, we talked about, you know, some of the things I just talked about. Maybe expanding his role. Maybe Malone's hesitant to do that. We know he just has this level of confidence in Tory, and also something we talked about a few minutes ago is, okay, they might have to sort of go all in on being the best defensive team they can right now to just sort of help keep their heads above water. And and that involves Torrey Craig on the floor. But any Nuggets fan knows what that does to their spacing in the half court. I mean, teams don't even really pretend to guard Torrey. Right. And with the with the way Malik's been shooting, and, and you're right, I mean, he has he brings more to the table offensively than just that. Sometimes I wonder if maybe just for the sake of spacing, uh, you, you know, you're better off starting him, but you know, just food for thought. Yeah. Craig is a weird, Craig is an interesting player. I think, um, Ryan Blackburn on Twitter started, like has been talking a lot about, or talked a lot, at least in the early going of the season about how Craig impacted the offense with Jokic on, on the floor. Um, he tweeted a lot. Of, he had a lot of interesting things to say about that. And so I think that kind of colored my view on Tori a little bit, but, um, I don't know. He doesn't seem. He still has a lot of moments where he his inexperience at the NBA level really shows, and he gets himself into trouble, um, a little bit more than you like. But his effort is there. Um, I just don't know if he can really step into a starting role even for a month. Um, not really. I'm not, and I'm not like super high on him. Um, in that regard. No, me either. I mean, I I think Malik is sort of best where he's at, right? It's just the the sort of small role he's asked to fill right now. He's doing such a good job with it. Um, and Malone, I just think, has so much trust in Tory, man. But it's, it's yeah, I mean, next time you watch the Nuggets, like, watch that half-court spacing. I mean, watch how hard guys help in the pick and roll on Jokic in the post, how they're just not really concerned with Craig at all. Um, you know, maybe they, maybe they can survive it in this stretch, but it's something to keep an eye on because that – you know, even with Wancho out there, it really does affect their spacing. Yeah, like there's only, he really does. He he just can't. I I don't know how bad of a shooter he is really because it doesn't look terrible coming out of his hands, and he seems pretty confident. But I don't know. He just he he's a weird player to watch, and he definitely is has a little bit more impact than I think. A um, little bit more impact on the dynamics of the team than most other role players do. But do you? Do you think that Wancho can start, um, like, we? I, I know I asked a little bit earlier, but do you think Wancho can, like, really start um, filling more of a Will Barton kind of role, or at least in, like, no. a, to a sl- lesser no. degree? Like, to a... No. Really? I, I, yeah, I don't... You know, Barton's not great when he puts the ball on the floor, man. And, I mean, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say Barton. I mean Wancho. And, you know, when he's decisive and he's going to the rack, like... There are more elements to his game than just a shooter, but he is—he doesn't change your offense the way Will does because Will is so multifaceted. Uh, he can catch and shoot. He can penetrate off the dribble. Um, he can play make and set other guys up. I don't really know how much of Wancho, ha- like outside of the catch and shoot, um, if Wancho checks all of those boxes. 
I mean, they can, they're going to need him to step up, and I think he's a really good basketball player. Right? One part of the recipe to them surviving this month would be just him going off, shooting four to five times from deep per game. But I don't think he fills in the cracks of a lineup the way Will Barton does. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. It's just like... He, I think he, you you mentioned it, like, I think he does have a little bit more to his game, especially, like, going back and watching some of his pre-NBA stuff. Like, he he had a little bit more there um, that he hasn't really shown in Denver, but I agree, he's not, he does have a lot of, he, there's a few times a game when he tries to do something off the dribble, and he gets, he doesn't really make a decision um, until it's too late, and it gets really, it gets rough. Yeah, it's just, it's not his game, I think, to, like, he can make the right pass in a sequence, right? But right. I don't, like, he can't bring the ball up the floor, initiate the Oh, offense, definitely, yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. or all that, which yeah. is, to me, some of the, the underrated value in Barton, so. Yeah, Barton definitely has more, a lot more of that in his game. Um, who do you, who has been, like, who has surprised you the most to start the year? Um, we talked a lot about, uh, I think, most of the bench guys, but who's really been the guy to... Who stood out to you the most? You know, I would say Malik, but we talked about him a little bit. And so I'll use this as an opportunity to talk about Mason Plumlee, who maybe I'm not surprised by Noah, but he has been um, just so good that it can't be ignored. And it has to be factored into the great start Denver got off to. This is a guy who is a starting caliber center who has taken the backup role and on and off the court, uh, you know, in this team with Grace, um, he's really taken to it. And, yeah, he's stepping up defensively. He's been a much better offensive player than I thought he could be um, with the second unit. And I just think he's sort of embraced what they've asked him to do in all of the ways that Yusuf Nurkic would not. And so, you know, the contract is pretty hefty, man. But the way Mason has played this season, it has me reexamining that Nurkic trade a lot. Because all of a sudden... It doesn't really seem as egregious to attach a pick to get a guy who can be this good and who's not going to complain. Right, right. I definitely feel that. Um, he's been he's been a lot more fun to watch than I ever thought he really could be. Um, he just had he's he is truly one of the most interesting players the Nuggets have, um, and he's definitely filling a lot more roles than uh, Nurkic ever could. Um, I think they still. I think they definitely won that trade. Like looking back, I know it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a hot take, but I just think, especially with with Mason's fit with the team and the way he kind of he can serve as a little bit of a continuation from um Jokic to, from Jokic sure. from coming off from Jokic just because he's a really good playmaker and he can um find cutters and they can still do some of the stuff they do with Jokic with him. So I think that his value to the team is a lot higher than Nurkic ever could have been even without the pick and his contract. It just feels like he is really stepping into a role and becoming one of their mo- like more important players. I agree. I, what I, I would say, I look at that trade as more of a win-win. When Portland got the guy they needed. They did end up with this re- three seed, um, even right. if they did get right. waxed by New Orleans. Oh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think Nurkic is not a great matchup in that series, but it's not like you can go, well, if they had Mason Plumlee. Um, I, I, so... To me, it's just both teams got what they needed. And, you know, Denver was actually asking for more than people realized at the time. It's hard to get a player this good that is totally comfortable with a backup role. Right. Like that's not, that's a real 
find for Tim Connolly. And so in hindsight, man, of course it took a pick, you know? Yeah, like he... Mason is Mason Plumley is really really good. I never real I didn't realize it until I came here, but he is just he is fantastic if he if in the right role. Um, do you think that like, what do you, what do you think about um like we talked about his contract? What do you think about the Nuggets salary the Nuggets salary um distribution coming up and the well, way that it's it's up in the air, right? Um, Mason coming off Trey expiring, uh, Paul Millsap will almost certainly be declined and renegotiated. Um, right. So there is, as, as things stand, not a lot of flexibility, but that's a little deceiving, right? So, um, you know, the real priority financially is just, okay, do we have enough to take care of Jamal Murray here? Yeah, definitely. Um, um, but I think the interesting questions beyond that become, okay, after these injuries and the dip in his points per game and his age, is Paul Millsap now a significantly cheaper player? Is he sold on what they're building in Denver and his role there? Does he want to come back on a cheaper deal? And does that give the Nuggets the flexibility to extend Jamal and consider adding a star wing one day, which they'll probably need to do if they ever want to turn that that big corner. So, um, you know, the mill... Just when you say cap, my first thought is Millsap every time. Me too. Yeah. Um, I definitely feel that. I actually think Millsap would be open to a cheaper contract here, um, especially in a year or two, because I think um, he's, what, 34? He's, he'll be 34, 35 by the time he's off the books. Um, and he's not really one of those all-star kind of players who teams will still get, like, throw money at just because he can sell tickets. Um because Millsap really just can't. He's never been that kind of player. No, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think he'd be open to a cheap, cheaper deal because I don't think he's finding a big deal anywhere else um, after this contract. Um, I think Jamal, they they really do need to re-sign Jamal more than anything um, as like as the like known thing. But um, I think when going getting back to your last point about the star wing, could I think that might. Like there's like a, I think there's a ten percent chance that is Michael Porter Jr. Um, yeah, well that's that's certainly the hope, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's why I would say it's less than ten, Noah. But I, I, your point stands, and I'm picking up what you're putting down. And I think for for Connolly and Co. The plan that night wasn't, hey, we got to get MPJ. The plan was, all right, we're sitting at fourteen, and your chances of getting a player that really help you are low enough as it is. Um, maybe if SGA had dropped a spot, that would have been nice. But if you're Denver, opportunities at stars don't fall into your lap. Right. They, they certainly don't come via free agency. So for them, that home run swing on a player that's such a high risk with such a high ceiling at that position is actually almost a no-brainer, right? It's like Definitely. buying a scratch-off lottery ticket. Right. Like that was that – was, they there's no way they were expecting MPJ to fall to 14. Um I don't think anyone could have possibly seen that, even like coming in if a week before the draft, especially with the Kings just kind of playing coy with or playing with him a little bit. But um, do you, like going back to the opportunities for uh, stars here? Do you think that the Donovan Mitchell trade could end up hurting them at some point? You could argue it already has, um, but you know, to me, man, that trade is—it's really easy to like criticize in hindsight but the fact is like 12 other teams didn't know donovan mitchell was this good 
And to me, it's not that they passed on Mitchell so much as they ended up with Leiden because... Yeah, that part was... Oh. Because their plan, man, and don't, don't be transparent about this, was to get Trey and to get OG and Anobi. Yeah. And, and OG hasn't been great this year or anything like that, but given how he looked last year and given how Denver doesn't have those type of bodies that you can throw out there in a playoff series, switchable, good defenders... That had that trade worked out, that would have looked really good in my opinion. Right. Uh, I don't know if it adds up to Mitchell, but when you already have Murray and Harris and Barton in town, um, I, I understood their thought process. It was really more of just when OG was off the board, it really seemed like they panicked. Yeah. And yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't think front offices can ever panic. You know. Yeah, that definitely. I agree with everything you said. Um, I don't know why they chose light in that high, even like. Like, just that night, um, I remember we were doing a live pod um, of the draft, and we were reacting to things as they were happening. And we didn't think that Leiden was going to go in the first round. Um, he definitely felt more like a, a high 40s kind of player. Um, I don't know why they panicked and took him when there were... F- there weren't, like, a ton of guys, but there were probably a few who could have helped more than Leiden has. Um, and I think with Mitchell... I don't know if he would have become Donovan Mitchell if he was on this team last year. Because I think the biggest thing for him in Utah was that, like, Gordon Hayward just left and they had basically no one who could pick up those shots. And Mitchell just really got a chance to blossom there. And I don't think he would have gotten that here. Yeah, I I think that's a good take, man. I agree with that. And also, look, like, I would rather have Donovan Mitchell right now. Like, Jamal Murray is... Like, he's 21 years old. He's averaging 17 points per game. Like, he's going to be really good. Right. So, you know, you, I I understand the logic that was employed on that night. I, to me, man, it's not just about getting another star. I think they need a star wing player. Um, will they get one? That's obviously one of the biggest ifs in sports. But, like, that to me is, it's not like, oh, they're just, like, Mitchell away. It's like, no, you know what? They're one of the dudes at the... So, so take the locker room stuff aside, right? Like, if you could put Jimmy Butler on this team, oh, I think that I think that team is ready to compete for a title. Oh, for Golden sure. State. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, like, obviously, every team could use a star wing, but Denver feels like they are just that away from juggernaut status. And so, to me, that's sort of, like, that's the big if with this team. I think they've shown us they're good enough, man. Like, they got next. Um, but things have to break their way, and I think that's one of them. Yeah, right. I definitely feel that. Um, and like, he, like, j- like last point on Mitchell, like he, he was basic. I thought he was like basically a copy of Gary Harris at the time. Like that would not have really. It didn't feel like that was the right move anyway. Um, to try it, to get. It, it might have been a little redundant, man. Yeah, it was. Have... There was definitely redundancy. Like there, like Mitchell. I thought Mitchell and Gary were basically the same player, so it would have been a little weird to have both of them. But... And they have, and they have thrill and. Like, I know it didn't work out, and you have to adjust with the sunk cost stuff, but, like, they had used the seventh overall pick in the draft on guards in two consecutive years. You know, yeah, Murray and for Media, sure. And they already had two other guards they liked. So, like, it, it actually wasn't a no-brainer that you just take Donovan Mitchell. I think it's the... That take really bothers me, because it's really easy to see how good Mitchell was and, and say that now. But, like, if, like, their logic... Like, their line of reasoning makes sense, for sure. Yeah. It's just... It's just tough when you look at Tyler Lydon and you go, oh, okay, that's the guy that could have been. That's the guy that could have been Donovan Mitchell or whatever. Yeah, 
That's definitely true. Like it, their logic was tight getting rid of Mitchell, but Leiden Leiden's the that Leiden's the point where it's really like okay, let's that 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 was that was a mistake at the time too. Um, so getting like I I kind of like the way they've approached this. Uh, the way they've the way like when stars come on the market, they're always vaguely around the conversation or in the conversation to get them. Um, I think they're trying to make the move that move to get the next star wing. I don't know if it's going to work out, but they're, it seems like they're doing the right things. Like they're not just sitting pat and saying, Oh, we got, we got Gary and Jamal and Jokic. Like we'll be fine. Um, they're really, they're really going out there. I think they know. I think they know. Um, and I think that they're going to try, man. I, part of the, the importance in getting and getting out of the tax with those Farid and Shay on their moves is that eventually you do want to start paying the tax when you're good enough. Um, because you have a chance to compete and really make that money back long term, uh, tenfold. But like then you start, hit, you know, when you're a great team, eventually you start asking questions about like repeater tax, right? You enter that territory. Like you don't want to start that clock until you have like you know what I mean? Until you're really really right. good. And so I think like what Denver has done is they like it gives the Cronkies some like peace of mind now. Like hey, you're not you don't have to pay the tax yet. But, like, if we tell you that we're some tax money and a max contract away from, like, adding the missing piece, um, you just have to be ready to pull the trigger. And I, I do kind of think that's where they're at, man. I don't I don't think this is your, your dad's Denver Nuggets who who aren't willing to spend to win anymore. Yeah, I think, like, I, I, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty secure in the thought that Kroenke will spend um, when it comes time. Just because he's put a lot of money into... Um, the town and the Nuggets specifically. Um, I think he's really like he. They developed the Altitude app this year. They're really trying to make an effort to, um, market themselves and become a bigger deal in this town. And I cannot. I can't imagine that that um, that an owner like who's a cheap a cheap owner like Sarver, or like Robert Sarver or um, James Dolan would be trying to do that if he was if they were in these situations. Um, I think yeah, that. And, and I mean, look, man. The, the Cronkies have been cheap in the past, but it's worth pointing out that it's been Josh for a while now and not Stan. And I won't pretend to know Josh personally. Um, like he has no idea who I am, but I, I do infer that he cares like as yeah. a point of pride. Like, I think he thinks it would be cool to own one of the more competitive teams in the league. And so, yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm of the mind that like when it, at this point now, when it comes time to spend, they will. Yeah, like they've they've put they've put too much money into this team, I think, to really like and like in try like it's in the recent years just trying to make it a bigger deal, to just cheap out at the last minute. But, um, yeah. Um, do you think that they, like, how important do you think it is for them to keep, um, like, not how important? Um, sorry. Uh, do you believe that the, like the bench is legit and it's gonna be like this? It's going to be like a Raptor situation where it carries over to the next season, or um, I don't know about that. They're legit, like right now. Yes, no doubt about it. Uh, I think this we're 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 deep enough in this season to say okay, Monte Mason plus those dudes is one of the better benches in the league. I don't know how that carries over season to season. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. You know, and we don't know like how things change with Mason here over time because. I don't know, like, Mason probably will want to start again one day, and that's a big contract, and, like, they're not going to want to bring him back on that same same deal, right? 
And so next year when he's an expiring deal, um, who knows, like maybe trade conversations pop up or whatever. Um, so I don't know like how sustainable it is long-term, but I do know for this season, though, I think it's one of the best benches in the, in the league. And I think we just know that now. Right. Definitely. I agree with that. Um, I'm just worried that like it, we, we come back next year and it kind of, it kind of takes a step back and, Nuggets don't have much of a contingency plan for that, but you know, I mean, we'll see. I I think the two biggest catalysts for it are just are, are Mason and Monte. So if they're still in town, I, I think it'll still be a good bench. Um, but yeah, you're right. That's an interesting question. Yeah, um, I I love Monte. He's 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 gonna be around the league for a while. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, all right. That's that's all I really have. Um, do you do you have anything you want you want anything you want to add or points you didn't get to hit? Oh man, no. I I mean I think we talked about it a lot. Um, you know, I just wanted to just point out that this Nuggets team is is maybe the most interesting team in the league right now, man. And for for a variety of reasons, but the way that they've sort of passed all these tests that have been thrown at them, and to the point where we're going, obviously they're not one of the very best teams in the league right now. Um, but how far away from that are they? Uh, is this is this just a good basketball team, or the Nuggets the next great team? And I think that's gone from a fantasy to a real question. And so whether they get there or not, there are so many ifs um, between between now and, and and the destination. But like just sort of being around for that process has been super fun. So if you don't watch the Nuggets, you should. And if you live in town, you need to go to a game. I would just say that. Yeah, the games the games are so much fun this year. Um, I haven't I haven't been, but I remember at the end of last year it was a great time, and I can't imagine it got worse. So, um, it seems like a it. I'm it, it. This is a definitely a different team. Um, and this is definitely different than anything we've seen even the past like ten years. Um, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um. Well, that's that's all I have. Uh, you can follow. You can. Remember to listen to the ARBT podcast. We can find us anywhere. Um, we you can follow me on Twitter at Noah the Pio and at and Kyle at Kyle Schulte seventeen. Um, you got anything you want to plug? Uh, Denver Stiffs. We you'll know about it tomorrow, but we're doing something cool this week. It's it's not just your normal content. Um, it'll all under fall under the same umbrella, a theme, if you will, a theme week, Noah, and we feel good about it. So. Tomorrow, if you're a Nuggets fan, make sure you check out DenverSis.com. It should be a fun week. It's BVOTE422. B-V-O-G-T-422. Thanks, Noah.